This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. Hello, hello. Cheers for listening. My guest this week is one half of the award-winning American sketch comedy duo, The Pajama Men. His name is Shanoa Allen. Uh, raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Shanoa didn't have a stock standard upbringing, but those unique early life experiences helped him become one of the best sketch and physical comedy performers going around. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Shanoa Allen, thanks for taking it easy with me today. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm so glad to be taking it easy. <laughs> How nice. It's my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me in your lovely treehouse here in Crystal Palace, London. Yeah. I won't say the full address. We'll just keep it to Crystal Palace. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I don't want to be bombarded. <laughs> uh, this place, obviously London, Crystal Palace, a lot different to where you grew up, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Made famous, of course, by Breaking Bad, which what? which you were in for one episode, I, I might add. Um, it, it's right in the middle of nowhere, isn't it, Albuquerque, where you grew up? Well, I guess it is. Hmm. I mean... Real desert, so... It, yeah, it's a pretty small city. And yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere enough that it's got its own identity, I feel like. Hmm. People go there for various reasons. <laughs> There's... um. There's a military base. There's like a big Air Force base. Then the city also has a national laboratories for weapons making, like like so nukes and stuff like that. <laughs> and then there's a there's a huge um, Mexican culture and a huge Native American culture, right? Minority Anglo. And then there's a big university with a like a good medical program and law program. And then a lot of like hippies that sort of turned up looking for a way to like, find themselves in the desert kind of thing. Uh, so it's a really okay. great, like kind of eclectic mix of mm. different values and Is desires it? and right. all kind of crammed into a pretty small city, which makes it good. Like yeah. it's a, I'm glad to be from there. It's a, it's a strange place. It's a really odd cocktail of personalities. Oh. And um, Is there a lot of the hippies? Are there, is there a lot of hallucinogens? Yeah, I mean, cactus and peyote, yeah, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I've never done peyote no. yet, <laughs> um, personally, but it's something that is can be found. And yeah, I mean, mushrooms and acid and mm. the, the basics are definitely <laughs> floating around. Do they do Breaking Bad tours there now? Yeah, I've never been on one, so I can't speak hmm. you know with any authority about what those tours are like <laughs> but there i could tell you that there was a, a a walt had a grave a real grave that i think has since been destroyed i think <laughs> the owner of the land like was like i don't want this but there was a funeral for him and like a headstone Shit. put in and, and like a lot of stores <laughs> in town sell meth <laughs> but, <laughs> you know like meth candy and, ah yeah like, the blue blue yeah 
donuts and ah, that kind yeah. of and the, the, the definitely saw that walt the heisenberg image too surely printed all over the shirts the yeah there's a lot of that yeah the glass and, and the various permutations well it's probably been great for the place then mm, yeah bringing cash into the place yeah <laughs> which it needs come on down <laughs> help new mexico's economy because it's pretty grim <laughs> And a couple of huge actors from the area as well, um, Freddie Prince Jr. Oh yeah, and who I couldn't pick out of a lineup personally, <laughs> but um, yeah. I have no idea. He went to my high school while I went to that high school. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I still have no fucking idea who he is, but I know that name. I think he's still married to Buffy, from memory. Oh yeah, well that's nice. It is nice. I mean, Hollywood didn't affect them. Yeah. Mm, not that he was there for that long, but he wasn't it. in Hollywood for very long. <laughs> is that why I don't know who he is? Yeah. Okay. He did a few of those sort of teen. I know what you did last. I don't know if he was in. I know what you did last summer, but those sort of things films, like that. <laughs> yeah, he had a good run of that for about five years. Oh, yeah, and of course Neil Patrick Harris, Doogie Howser. Yeah, that's that must have been a pretty big deal. I mean, yeah, he's a big export. Mm. I could pick him out of a lineup, <laughs> but I don't know what crime. <laughs> He committed or why I was there. <laughs> yeah, and Albuquerque looks like, to me, from watching Breaking Bad, that's pretty much all the history I have yeah. of what it looks like. But it looks very desert-heavy. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what, what do you do in Albuquerque, in the desert? I mean, you can do whatever you want. You can... You can do whatever you want. You That's my answer. You can't surf. Uh, you can't surf. You can skateboard. Right. And there are ditches. We call them arroyos. And uh, Thrasher Magazine called Albuquerque God's Land of Ditches. Really? Um, because there's these concrete, the concrete wave uh, ah. going all through the city. These um, storm drainage ditches that are just ah, fantastic okay. for skateboarding. In. Yeah. So there's a lot of that you can do kind of in Did you town. skateboard? Yeah. Was that it was a real part of the my, pump. Yeah, well, and just like skateboarding is just such a great activity. Yeah. What what sort of music did you listen to? I was, had a very varied interest in music as a youngster. Mm. Did listen to a lot of punk, but I also listened to gangster rap and then like a lot of uh, industrial punk, like kind of extreme industrial, whatever, like yeah. 4242 and <laughs> Ministry. Skinny yeah. Puppy, Christian Death, like a lot of goth stuff, <laughs> Sisters of Mercy, Bauhaus. Wow. Those kind of things. And what about the just the more general punk stuff? Uh, who did I like back then? I mean... Um, no effects going then? They were a little bit later. Yeah. Listen to Seven Seconds, Minor Threat, Exploited. Okay. Uh, Bad Religion. Okay, yeah, yeah. Dead Kennedys. Yeah. So it's sort of that early 90s. Yeah. And then like some 70s, you know, like Sex Pistols yeah. anyway. And then just But to- then like real soft. Like I was, I loved Tori Amos. <laughs> uh, and Enya. <laughs> <laughs> and what about like uh, skating, obviously? What else? What else? Is there like waterfalls or anything <laughs> out there you can... <laughs> You can, yeah. There's waterfalls. There's cliff diving you can do, and yeah, you can only if you're me. You can only kind of you got to tread lightly in that arena because I have a, a condition where um, I'm allergic to cold. Please, what? What? Do you, where, I know it sounds like uh, allergic to cold temperatures. Temperatures. Yeah. So how's and that, how does it manifest how, itself? Yeah. How do you go living in London then? Well, it's fine. Like it's not that bad. But if I immerse myself completely in icy water, I will swell up and die. Really? Yeah. Is that, have you it's had like any a, near misses with that in your life? Yeah, but I have one, had one near miss, near hit, near miss. I will never <laughs> understand. I know I'm not the first to have a problem with what a near so miss you, is. You swell up. It's like a anaphylactic type. Yeah, like my hands and feet swell up like big balloons wow like it's it's really strangely it doesn't look possible like how big a person's hand can swell up like it's like blowing up a rubber glove and did you find and out- a rubber foot glove <laughs> <laughs> did you find out the hard way that yeah you had it yeah so what were you doing i this was a long time ago also um 
I was rehearsing The Seagull. I had a small part in a production of The Seagull that was being directed. Steven Seagal? Yeah, yeah, Steven Seagal play. Um, Such a good writer. (laughs) He just really knows how to build dramatic structure and break elbows. (laughs) That's all he does is break elbows. Um, But I never get sick of it. So I was, yeah, working on one of his plays. But uh, anyway, he was—he had a cabin in northeastern New Mexico, and we built a stage in, his, in front of his cabin, and we were rehearsing to then take the show into the city later. Um, and there was a little stream there, and a bunch of us like went down to the stream, skinny dipping, like we were just walking naked. We were young, and yeah. I don't know if we were beautiful, but we were young. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like walking naked down this stream and I got in, under this little waterfall and it was freezing and I turned red, like my body turned like fire engine red. And somebody said like, hey, you know, you're really red. And I was like, oh, and I was trying to make jokes. I was like, oh, I just get really, you know, embarrassed about my cold penis. <laughs> uh, and then like, I kept getting redder and, and swelling up and swelling up and, um, I started to get lightheaded. And so I came out of the stream and there were these, like it was a really rocky shore Mm. and I just had to lay down on it uh, with my cold naked body. And these big ants were like climbing all over, all over me, like big ants. Were they they swollen from the cold as well? Yeah, they must've been, (laughs) they must've been in the same stream because they were, they were pretty juicy. Uh, And I was looking up at, this tree that was overhanging the canyon and it was like a cottonwood tree and um i had a whiteout which is like a blackout but it goes white mm. and everything went white and i was focused on this, this is going to sound like i'm making it up because it's like cheesily poetic but there was one leaf that i could see and then i could only see and then the center of the leaf went white and then i could only see the outline Jesus. Of a single leaf, and everything else in my vision was white, and I just thought, "Okay, I'm dying. Like mm. this is it." And did people around was an ambulance called and things? Or were they just, there was no way of. I mean, we were out in a canyon in yeah, the middle of nowhere. nowhere. Shit, no road or anything, mm. um, and no phones. But I really, I, I just said goodbye. Mentally, I was like, mm. "Okay." Goodbye. That's it. Like, this is it. How old were you? 21. Wow. And it was okay. Like, were you struggling to breathe as well? With the I, My breathing was labored, but I was mm. a lot more focused on the fact that I was about to die. <laughs> uh, and I was really, like, it was weirdly fine. Right. Like, maybe it was shock or whatever, but I was yeah. like, oh, this is, okay, this isn't is it. What, yeah, when you see the white light, isn't that? What yeah. happens? You're just like, well, this is it. This is it. Wow. And then my friend Rich grabbed me by the ankles and hoisted me up because he had done the math and thought what this kid needs is blood in his brain. Right. So he lifted me up so that the blood would flow into my head and I kind of regained consciousness and like the swelling went down and I was okay. And Holy shit. Just from that? Just from lifting you up by the feet? Yeah. And then it, yeah, like it took a, a while to recover. Did you go straight home after that, or did you? No, I stayed up there. Had another couple of swims. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I stayed out of cold water for a long, long time. I'm starting to like experiment with it. Yeah, you know. Right. So that all happened when you were 21. I just want to backtrack a little bit to your childhood uh, in Albuquerque. What were you like as a kid? Were you a, a good boy? Yeah. I. I mean. Where what okay where where are we starting? <laughs> what age as a kid? I mean, I was a good kid. Yeah, like a small child, I was fairly <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you got into mohawks and that, didn't you? I did get yeah. into mohawks and, <laughs> and that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I went to a private school to start with. Like my dad ran a school really? that was um, based on Rudolf Steiner's methodology which is waldorf which anybody listening to this may or may not know what that is but it's like a it's like a form of education that's driven primarily by art and storytelling and like it's very tactile 
uh, movement exercises and doing plays. And it's a very creative mm-hmm. environment. Like even your math and science and those kinds of subjects would be kind of taught through <laughs> storytelling and Is like, our, yeah. But I mean, as a young kid, I mean, I think like I was like a 10 year old, what I'm thinking of specifically now mm-hmm. when I was like learning math equations <laughs> with like half of the numbers were represented by little gnomes in a cave like i don't i don't really remember how it added up but uh um but it was very idyllic did your dad um, was, was that the only one in that area that that school that type of school yeah yeah and he was it like a franchise you could buy into and then open a school <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah kind of like kfc yeah <laughs> Yeah, his was based on that kind of teaching um, and had some Waldorf teachers, but they were like really rigid. Yeah. Like people that kind of follow that right. education method really rigidly. I'd never heard um, of that before. Yeah. That that method. Is it still popular today? Or, yeah. Or not, not, I don't know how many are around, but they're, yeah, and they're somewhat global, I think, but there's oh. there's a few in California, at least. I don't, I don't really know anymore. Mm. But so I was in that environment until I was about 11 or 12. And then um, that must have really set the tone for you, though, creative-wise. Yeah, yeah. And then everything changed. My best friend, a girl named Jessica, moved to California, and I went and visited her. And while I was visiting her in Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. there was an upheaval and a coup uh, at the school, oh, shit. where one of the teachers went nuts. And because my dad is. Uh, a gay man, mm-hmm. he and not because, but for whatever reason, this teacher decided that my dad was the devil and like got a bunch of other people on board and accused my father of being actually Satan um, and staged a coup essentially and kicked mm. him out of his own school. Wow! So I came back to a completely different environment after my week's holiday, God. and then I went into when they staged a the coup school after that. Was it all done in story form? The coup was it done in? Did they act it out? Yeah, yeah. Little gnome <laughs> representatives and things like that. Um, yeah, a lot of painting and drawing and uh, movement exercises. <laughs> yeah, so then yeah, we, then that we was need- really sad. Like, that yeah. was a real shift. And so that was a big change in my life. And that's when I sort of became a bad boy. Right. That's when you shaved <laughs> either side of a strip of hair down the middle yeah. of your head. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was soon after that because I went into a public school, which didn't was a lot bigger, a lot more kids, and I didn't understand the teaching methods, and I didn't mm. understand like why the teachers wouldn't just take my word for it if I had an excuse for not doing my homework. Yeah. It was like real, and they'd yeah. be like, "Oh, you're lying," and I'd be, I was like, "What? <laughs> you don't do that in the school I came from. You just tell the truth, and that's normal." Yeah. But here it was like, "Oh, like nobody would believe you," and. Wow. I started getting. Then I started like I fell in with a, like a like a kind of different crowd of of drug doers and you know creative hairstyles yeah, and yeah. punk music and all that kind of stuff and di- and so actively kind of didn't fit in. Okay. Um, Did you find it hard to sit through a maths class where you just had to sit down the whole time and you couldn't get up and like dance or express yourself? Uh, with your time oh, tables? Yeah. I mean, I really did. I found it all very hard to take. And I found discipline, especially. Uh, I was very allergic to that. Um, and I still am. And so I grapple with that a little bit about being, you know, too mouthy. I'm always kind of trying to figure out how not to mouth off. And I feel like that that started as a pretty mm. pretty young age. Yeah, it's, that's interesting. But I think perform, a lot of performers have trouble with authority or just, yeah, I, you, you like to have everything just in your own control and not have anyone tell you what, you know, to, do. what to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, Even I, if sometimes it'd be good, you know, yeah. and you really got to filter that out and go, wait, this might be really good advice. <laughs> like, don't just be an adolescent idiot yeah. and say fuck off. Like, figure out what the point of what, you know, mm. what someone's saying and try to get the value in it or at least compose yourself and come up with an articulate reply <laughs> rather than just um, knee jerk. You mentioned there that your father is a gay man. How You've explained to me your family life before. I just find it so fascinating how like it really wasn't like your typical mum, dad and a couple of kids. You had a really interesting home life. Yeah, very different. Um, I mean, it, it, it through so many different stages, it kind of depends on where you want to start. But from... From 11 or so, I think I was, there's been like a steady man 
in the picture. Mm. Uh, my dad's boyfriend and he, for a while, like it was his house and then we had a house. And then for a while, like all three parents lived in different places. Like my dad had an apartment and my mom had an apartment and my other dad had a, had a house. And then eventually like we all moved in together. Yeah. And that, that works for them. They all, mm. I mean, they're all old now, so it's a little, maybe, I don't know how hot the fires are burning. <laughs> I feel like that would be more complicated <laughs> at, at a younger, more passionate age, but I don't want to take anything away from them. Maybe those, <laughs> you know, maybe those fires are roaring. <laughs> Who knows what's going on? But uh, they've, they've managed to, like, make it work, which I find so unusual, even though I grew up in it, but also so commendable because they're so Absolutely. honest with each other and they're able to like, everybody Just, says what they want and does what does what they want and mm. respects each other and they're fine, mm. which is so different than a lot of families. Oh, it's amazing. So does your mother have a partner as well? She has had, but yeah. but not as much yeah. um, and not a full on like live in man, like, like my second father. So did, did they do it for, you have siblings, obviously you? Yeah, I have two older brothers and did they do it with the idea that it would be better for you guys to be settled all together i don't know i mean i feel you know with sexuality it's such a gray area that like we i feel like it's getting a little bit more sophisticated in the last few years in terms of you know gay and straight being like i mean those words are too specific mm. i feel like to really you can't sum somebody up and what ex what they are exactly and say, okay, this is a gay person and this is, you know, mm. I mean, maybe some people feel like they can. I, I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else. But mm. um, I think in my dad's case, like he's, he calls himself predominantly gay, uh, <laughs> but likes women also, but yeah. it's mainly like he feels like he can kind of connect with men more and yeah. whatever. So I don't think he was just like doing it mechanically to go, okay, let's have kids. I think mm. there was something there also. But um, so my mom does have like, that kind of relationship with them. Mm. Um, if you want to really know about my mom and her <laughs> sex life with my dad. <laughs> Go on. Uh, <laughs> how, how did your friends, like you say you had friends come over? Yeah. Was it, I mean, I think like for a while it was like, it, it was interesting because I didn't, you know, I think once I sort of lashed out in school and started, but the thing was, is I did well in some subjects. Like I really liked science and I did well in science. And I like, once I found drama, like I really liked theater and that. Um, so I did well in, in those things, but in th anything that I wasn't interested, I really lashed out and I withstood a lot of bullying. And I think because I wore makeup and that I got, you know, like ignorantly, I I got called faggot a lot, even though I wasn't gay. And um, I mean, I don't know what I am. I'm kind of bisexual, but mostly straight. I'm predominantly straight. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, for a while, it was like, oh, I don't want anybody to know this. It's a shameful thing. But then it became cool, like in the circle oh, yeah. of friends that I ended up with that were more alternative and strange. Like mm -hmm. it was like, oh, your dad's gay. Like that's interesting. Mm. And I got I became kind of proud of it because it was something unique that I had that that other kids didn't have and sort of like the polyamorous weird household that I came from like it was like people were intrigued by it they yeah. wanted to know about it and so it became like both the source of like oh I don't know what I'm supposed to say in this environment I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about where I'm from and like oh I've got something mm. unique so you mentioned that you excelled uh, or you enjoyed theater and things like that when did that sort of start becoming an interest for you at school I think from like day one, mm. you know, I was always doing voices and stuff and became, and like in my dad's school, I would do little plays and I was always excited to do them. And I was always like kind of being silly and, and making little sketches and stuff just to show my family. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess my second year of high school, which is like what, 15, 14, 15. Yeah. Yeah. I started getting, getting into it. Yeah. And was it around that time you met Mark? Yeah. Chavez yeah. of Pajama Men? Yes. Yes. Uh, I met Mark in 1993. So he went to the same school, obviously. Yeah. Was he in a different group of people? <laughs> I, I kind of want to describe, I, I want to go into this, but I kind of want to describe a little bit of what, just that the household that I was describing a second ago. So there was, just so you, just because it's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> at one time, there was I, my mother and father mm -hmm. and my father's boyfriend my brother and his his three his wife and their three daughters <laughs> my 
my dad's brother, who's mentally handicapped, my dad's mother, who was like really old, her husband, my other brother, and his girlfriend all lived in the house. <laughs> um, and that was pretty amazing. Like, I didn't live there at that point, and I would go and visit, and I could, like, I loved it, but I could also only withstand it for a short <laughs> amount of time. Well, not because I had anything, set. like, I love them all so much, but it was like, oh my God, this is so much going on. Yeah. Like, is that obviously a big place then? It's, yeah, yeah. They've kind of grown, it's grown. My dad keeps, it's up in the mountains, it's off grid, and my dad keeps adding on to it. <laughs> it's so beautiful. How, so, how many living there now? Three. All right. <laughs> yeah. They've either died or moved. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly moved. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So you met Mark in 1993. Yeah. At, uh, you, you were doing theater together? Is that yeah. Well, I was, we were oh, both improv. doing dr- like drama classes. Mm. And I walked past the Performing Arts Center in our high school, which is a huge high school, 2,500 kids. And, there was something going on. I don't know. The door was open and I kind of peeked in and I asked the teacher what was happening. She was like, Oh, we're auditioning for the improv team. And I saw Mark and I'd seen him before and I'd liked him, Mm. but we'd never spoken. Um, And they were having people go up and audition together. And so I said, Hey, do you want to go audition? Like he was already going to do it, but I was like, do you want to be my partner (laughs) (laughs) in this? Uh, And he said, yeah. And so that was our first interaction with some improv scene. I don't know what, what I wish I, I really wish I had some record of that. Mm. So it'd be great to see what we, whatever that was. Um, yeah. So did you just find straight away you had a, a chemistry? Pretty much, together, yeah. and pretty straight away we started like living our lives almost entirely in character. Like, that was <laughs> that was our how our friendship worked. Yeah. Like, a lot of different voices, long soap opera like sagas that would go <laughs> on for years. I mean, I could still go into them with them now. You know, like just <laughs> huge backstories. I don't know, sad, <laughs> sad people's lives um, that always like would like we would do like a scene, not really trying to, but just get into an exchange and then go. <laughs> and that would like mean that that was the end of the scene kind of to be continued. And yeah. then whenever we'd kind of come back into it, and that's been going on for 20 something years. Now. <laughs> Did you have your, you've got a quite an amazing vocal range of high to low pitch. Did you have that? At that age, or did that come later? Uh, I think I don't, like, I can fake it. Ah, okay. Um, So I guess it came later. Hello, hello, hello. Like, it's not not a genuine, (laughs) hello, hi, how are you? That's not like a, it's not actually, hello, hello. (laughs) Like, that's not a real voice. Like, somebody, like, because I do voiceovers, and I can hear, like, when somebody hasn't actually, like, a good, hello, mine only does that. Like, they have a, hello, I, you can't tell yeah. the difference, probably, but I, hello. Yours is coming more from, about, but, more from the mouth, or the other one comes from deeper. Yeah, mine's, like, created in the throat. Right. Through constriction and whatever, and all the voices I do. I was able to get pretty high. Mm. Um, I'm losing some of that with age. <laughs> hello. <laughs> but, uh Yeah. I don't. I don't know if it was always there. I did a lot of like growling and destroying of my voice. Mm. I th- it matured into whatever it is now. So I think I kind of manufactured that range. Yeah. And the doing the the improv stuff with Mark. Did, did you keep the makeup on and the mohawk, or did that make you change as a as a person through those later years of high school? Yeah. It did, maybe it did, or maybe I don't know if I just kind of. Did you start hanging out with a different crew? No, not really. No. I just had kind of both things going. Yeah, I guess. Mm. But yeah, I did sort of back away from a lot of things, and then sort of fell back into them, and then backed away again. I would say that you know, without going too into it or trying to sound cool or anything, that that you know, comedy and theater saved my life. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Set you on a different path. Yeah. Yeah. Once you finished school, did Albuquerque have? Or does it have still a great improv theater scene that you could you it, could yeah. both go and work at? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's great because it's a small city full of a lot of people that are really up for doing things and mm. being explorative and creative, and so it's not very competitive, which is to its discredit and its credit, I think. For us, that was great because it was a blank canvas. And, we, and there wasn't that much going on, so there was no 
example to look to to go this is how this is what sketch comedy is supposed to look like mm-hmm. and i feel like what we ended up doing not to sing our praises too much but i i feel like it it was pretty unusual and mm-hmm. different than a lot of what's out there and i don't know if we would have come to it in the same way if we'd grown up in chicago for yeah. example where there's like so much sketch comedy and mm. like very specific ways of doing it like second city and stuff like that where they're teaching you the nuts and bolts of what a sketch is and what it's supposed to look like and when it starts and stops and what yeah. you know what the beats of it are right. and our stuff was always really like strange and yeah a little bit more acid driven than <laughs> uh than what happens there not to take anything away from it like i yeah know, chicago seems awesome but mm. i'm kind of glad that we grew up in a weird little town in the desert yeah did did you find in years after you started there did other people start to look at you and start doing that type of sketch comedy yeah i mean again i don't want to be like hey <laughs> but uh i'm gonna cut that y- bit yeah out. yeah just I- so you just say <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean i know that we've had some influence which I always find very flattering and cool, and mm. you know, people people aren't wearing pajamas though. I haven't seen that happen no. at least. <laughs> so when did the idea for because uh, you, you were called Sabotage? Yeah, first the two of you. So when did you start performing as Sabotage, like to people outside of your school and the general public? Our first tour was two thousand, right? And we Sabotage was like a. Kind of a sketch group, sort of, with a rotating cast that I was kind of heading up and then boiled down to me and Mark, essentially, over the years. But the first tour was was Mark and myself and an opera singer named Eric Stern, who played piano and then, like, would belt opera out all of a sudden. <laughs> um, but it was always, Mark and I were in an improv, like a long-form improv team together mm-hmm. for a couple of years. Like a weekly sort of? Yeah. We found in that group also that we were kind of always gravitating towards each other after okay. high school yeah. when we were doing that. Yeah. And then we just started closing down this late-night variety show called The Reptilian Lounge oh. on a weekly basis and coming up with material like while the show was happening. Ah, but cool. we would have other people in the cast with us, but we were kind of doing it. Mm. Um and then we took a bunch of that stuff and crammed it together into an hour and went on tour in the Canadian fringe circuit in, yeah. in 2000, did four festivals and went, oh, let's keep doing this yeah. forever. And, and then obviously you've, we're dra- drawn to each other in that big group, uh, improv team. Yeah. Improv group, sorry. Is that then why you came up with Pajama Man? So it could just be you two and you could just. Yeah. And sabotage sort of break- even turned into just us, really. Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah, that was mainly our thing. And we toured as Sabotage, but we were already wearing pajamas. Okay. <laughs> and then um, Second City picked us up uh, in Edinburgh in 2004 and rebranded us. Right. Pajama Men. So this is Second City from Chicago? Yeah. Mm, that's a very famous. Yeah. And so we moved to Chicago. They brought us out. Mm. and um, So you did Edinburgh Fringe 2004 as Sabotage? Yeah. And you, that was you got nominated for best newcomer. Yeah, that year. Yeah. So had you had you heard of Edinburgh Fringe before? Yeah, because by then we had done the Canadian circuit three okay. times. Yeah. Um, and everybody was like, "Well, have you done Edinburgh? Have you done mm-hmm. Edinburgh?" Mm-hmm. So finally, we did. That must have been pretty cool. Four years from starting to get a newcomer nom at such a big festival. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it was really surprising, also, because we were suffering badly. Like we, it was really expensive to do. Mm-hmm. We were getting like four people a night, you know, just like the typical sort of Edinburgh story. Yeah. Um, but critically, we were doing well, okay. but nobody was showing up, and mm-hmm. um, so it was really great that right at the very end we got the nomination, and Second City was like, "Hey, come to Chicago," and we were like, "Oh, this was worth it. Right. We can stop crying because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that happened." You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Hey, before we go back to the podcast, I want to tell you about someone. That someone is Melbourne-based photographer Nicole Reed. One of the most sought-after photographers going around, Nicole has taken photos for all sorts of people. Comedians like Peter Hellyer and Anne Edmonds, musical acts like the Hilltop Hoods, and sports stars like Buddy Franklin. If you want to see how great her work is, I suggest you head over to her Instagram page. It's Nicole Reed Photographer. While you're at it, you may as well jump on her website, which is www.nicolereed.photography. Get in contact and book in a shoot today. Now let's get back to the podcast. 
So then in, in 2009, you went to the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for the first time. Had you heard of the, the festival, know much about it before you went out? I didn't really know what to expect, but I'd known about it. And a few years previous, had applied online and okay. sent in like a proposal to try to get in, mm-hmm. which they read and still had. Somebody dug it out of the office like years later, like a couple of years ago, somebody pulled it out and was like, hey, look at this. And it was from, I don't know when, 2005 or something oh, like that. Wow. I was like, oh, you, that did go somewhere. <laughs> you have that folder I sent. They just opened it. Yeah, yeah. when yeah. mail still was a thing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nine was your first show there. Versus, versus, versus. Yeah. Title. And you won the Barry Award, which is the biggest award in Australian comedy. Yeah. Did you... That was pretty exciting. Yeah. As the years have gone past now, do you realize how big that award was? Maybe you didn't realize at the time because you don't know. quite new? No. I mean, no? I think it was really exciting at the time, and yeah. now it doesn't fucking matter at all. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you don't just mention it down the shops? No. To people? You mentioned it was the first thing you said when I came over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, how's it going? Cup of berry award tea? <laughs> Uh, we've been drinking Bear, Barry's tea, yeah. if anybody wants to know any more about that great joke. Uh, how did you find the Australian crowds on the on that first tour? Did you Coming so far, like you're coming from the other side of the world, obviously you've done Edinburgh, so similar crowds, Australia to Edinburgh, but were you like, are they going to pick up what we're putting down? Yeah, and we were in the Bosco, that little Bosco theatre, which is a... Mm wooden tent and we were what's the main street that goes along swanston yeah. swanston street yeah you were in that like, is it federation yeah. square yeah i think you were the next one up from that's where the bosco was wasn't it where that coffee shop is where yeah. the Brunetti's was yeah yeah it's all been, all been ripped out now they're putting a new train station there well it was definitely in business <laughs> when we were in there and there were uh horse-drawn yeah. carriages and the streetcars going by or trams what do you call them yeah. trams yeah so you could hear that yeah and a guy like screaming about how we were all gonna burn in hell yeah uh like a, a street corner preacher man okay and it was intense wasn't the same guy that threw you over through your dad all those years ago <laughs> yeah i wonder <laughs> if it was phil <laughs> hey oh uh, man it's great to see you thanks for ruining my family's life <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah and so when we weren't we weren't using microphones and just trying to shout through the first couple of shows and then we got microphones and okay it got better but i didn't think in a million years that we would like win an award because it was mm. all it was we were dripping with sweat and there was no ac now it doesn't feel like you know but we were a lot greener then now it seems like you just go and whatever the venue is you just go in and do it and try mm. to adapt and, and that can be part of the joy of it all but then it was like oh we're trying to do something here <laughs> you know and i didn't know how to how to go with it yeah. like how to roll with it and make and invite it yeah i'm interested like watching you guys do are you rehearsing a lot before a show is 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 it are you just rehearsing hours and hours before you seem to have like a shell of an idea of what you're doing with maybe the ending you've got that sorted but a lot of it seems to just be fun yeah. Where you're almost trying to make each other laugh or yeah. break, break character. Yeah. Large no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, keep it loose like that. We write a skeletal structure. And then there's a lot of, you know, jokes that, like, if you find a good joke, you want to be able to keep that in and yeah. tell it as economically as possible. So some of that stuff does get pretty word for word the same every time. Mm-hmm. But we always leave the door open to go off on tangents. And the basic dialogue of getting from here to there is left loose on purpose so that there's always a genuine exchange going on. Yeah. Not like you say your line, I'll say mine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we create the structure and then improvise within it, kind of keep developing the show as we tour. Right. Then you, you kept coming back to Melbourne after that. Obviously, you, you came back the next few years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. It became oh. like a real yeah. part of our annual touring life. Yeah. Were you pretty much touring at that point? We were sort of, you, you know, you win a Barry Award. Next year you got Sydney Comedy Festival. Yeah. Best Newcomer nominee or you won Best Newcomer. Yeah. So it was all started rolling in Australia. So obviously it'd be crazy yeah. to come back. Yeah, I think we got all the ones in 
Sydney after that. And, yeah. then, and then we didn't have another show. And I was like, oh, shit, we just won everything. That's so, I don't, I mean, that sounds like such an asshole thing to say. Mm. But uh, but it was really unexpected and exciting. And then we're like, okay, we need to follow this up. Mm. And we, we did a, Auckland right after that. And, and then we, Edinburgh is coming up, yeah. you know, in the year. And so we rented a cabin in New Zealand, in the north end of the South Island. Mm-hmm. And wrote our next show. Oh, great! In a little, we booked a batch. Excellent. And, and wrote the last stand of reason, which was even though we got the berry for the previous show, the last stand of reason was our kind of breakout show. Well, that's the show. That's 2011, right? Mm. That's the show I saw. It was the first time I the saw one you on, guys. on the train. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In the lower town hall in Melbourne. Right. At Melbourne Town Hall, and yeah, I was. I think I was doing my first solo. What's that? 2000? No, I was doing. A show called Comedy Zone, uh, which is like yeah, like a group show, and we were to- like we were given a tip off by our producer that we got to go see this show. Everyone and it was f- chockers, and it, it it all sold out. I think we saw you on a mid midweek show, so we were able to just sneak in up the back. Mm. But yeah, it was nothing. I I hadn't really. I'd watched obviously watched a lot of stand up, and that's what I was used to seeing. But I hadn't really seen. I'd seen sketch, but the way you did it. That whole show set on a train. You're just two guys with pajamas on and chairs, but you really get lost. You're really great at just making people get lost in the character, and you really can picture the train around you. Um, and you, when you're playing like a little possessed girl, or you know, an old the old father, like you really got lost in. I just remember afterwards, just going, "That's I haven't really seen anything like that before." So, yeah, yeah, thanks. It's definitely my like top two or three f- favorite sh- festival shows i've ever seen oh that's nice do, do you is that one one of your favorites to do yeah that, absolutely that yeah i mean I, that's probably our best show right one. even 10 years later or whatever it yeah. is. <laughs> um, i mean i think we might maybe have grown as performers but if i think about this the, just the shape of that show mm. and the kind of the concept of the train just really worked in terms of because we were really easily able to establish the aisle up the middle of a train and just yeah. have the two chairs and move them around a little bit on the stage and yeah. you know create the illusion there's a tra- you know a train carriage full of different people yeah did you write that entire show in a f- like a number of weeks yeah it was cabin? really fast wow yeah it was I mean six weeks total less than I think and then we opened in Edinburgh like oh fuck this is going to be a disaster and then it, it was okay. It worked out. And, and and at that stage, 2011 in Edinburgh, were you starting to get, were you playing That's, bigger rooms then? And- uh, it wasn't that big of a room. I don't, I don't, it was, yeah, but I mean, it was like a hundred something. Mm. Um, but then we, it was critically well responded to and that opened up London for us. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think. That's it, the order it went in. Did anyway. you do Last Stand or Reason in the Soho? Yeah. 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 And ran it for like the longest running comedy there at the time. Right. Um, six weeks or something like that, yeah. which isn't like hugely long, but for a theater like that, that usually books two nights for somebody. It was, it was yeah. different. Is that when you first came to London? And uh, Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd visited for like two days, but mm. anyway, who cares? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I once visited London <laughs> listeners, like who gives a shit? But uh, yeah. <laughs> and did you, probably at the time you would never have thought, you would end up living here? Yeah. No. And in fact, the first time I came to London, I didn't like it at all. I found mm. it like really touristy and lame. But that's because I was treating it like a theme park and just going to the, you know, see the sights, which I think any city yeah, you can treat like that and then not really understand what it is as a city. But if you stay here for a little bit, you start to see mm. slightly below the surface yeah, where all the life is. Yeah. Well, one great thing came out of your touring of london is you met your wife yeah yeah after yeah. a show in london so that's nice yeah and she's the best ever yeah so. and the rest is history that's the rest nice, is isn't it? mystery <laughs> <laughs> one voice i remember vividly you did from that train show last stand of reason is the possessed girl do you remember that one uh, yeah do you remember the what how to do that it was like uh, a, i mean i think so i don't know exactly what I mean, there's the, like, Jennifer. I think, I, I mean, she just kind of talks like this, you know? <laughs> um, and seems like when I listen to her while I'm talking, it sounds fine and normal and whatever, and I just know who she is. And then when I listen to it recorded, I can't tell if it just sounds like some 
strung out man. You know what I mean? Because like, I picture myself as this young girl, and then I hear it, and I'm like, oh, man, you just sound like, uh, like you smoke too much. And, yeah, so it was that voice then going to like a like a devil, like a... Yeah, 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 yeah. it won't do that. It's far too loud. <laughs> Nobody needs to hear that. Um, so you guys then obviously you toured for a number of years after after that up until sort of late last year, late 2017. You did a European tour, yeah, Pajama Man, and now at the moment you're on a bit of a hiatus. You're just yeah. taking it easy for a while. You obviously it done, easy. <laughs> you've yeah. done 18 years, pretty pretty nonstop, pretty heavy mm. touring. And I mean, there was a long time where we didn't have a fixed dress. Even we were just doing it. Just traveling yeah. out of a suitcase. Yeah. yeah, and like writing shows in hotel rooms and do, keeping on going mm. with little breaks here and there, but, you know, like genuinely not even living anywhere. But now you're both married. Mark's living in Canada. Yeah. Vancouver. You're here in London. Well, yeah, you, you've, you're on a hiatus now, but do you think we might see you down in Melbourne again? I think probably, yeah. you know, like there's no love lost. We didn't uh, go, hey, man, I hate you. We decided to... to <laughs> take a break i think before that happened you know so many like it's like it's the the thing that happens with double acts yeah hate each other yeah and i feel like i saw like i saw the edge of that a little bit were you you aware of that uh when you started out you just have have a chat you know we no but i feel like people always like interviewers were always kind of pushing us in that direction Mm. you know like well do you hate each other that's what they wanted to know that's what they wanted to talk about like was how much do you hate each other we should have capitalized on that and just pretended to hate each other but we don't yeah and having some space for mark like i the more and more i appreciate him like Mm. the longer away yeah so i don't know 10 more years i'll love him to death no 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 (laughs) just kidding no i it no i mean it like sincerely like it's i I see his influence in so much of what i do Mm. Well, we, we I, I was lucky enough to tour with you guys last year to Asia and hang out a fair bit. And, yeah, you didn't seem like you hated each other at all. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we don't. In Why? front of people, anyway. I don't know what you were like behind those <laughs> Privately, doors. we're just <laughs> strangling each other. <laughs> um, so now you're on hiatus. What what are you up to here in London? What have you been up to? Uh, you're, uh, you came to Edinburgh and did a few little yeah. spots over there. And you, you wrote your own... A solo show. Yeah. I've written a one-man show, which I, well, two-man in a way, because Ignacio Agrimbao was doing music in it, and he added quite a lot. So, and then I, yeah, I did that kind of as an experiment, and I think I'll go back to it. I'm starting to get mm. hungry for it again. I just, I've only performed it six times, so it was, it was kind of a work in progress. Trucker? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Had you, and performing on your own? Terrified. First time like, ever? Yeah. Right? Yeah, that was really hard and really hard not to be, you know, if you're in a double act for nearly 20 years, it's pretty different to mm. get up on your own. And, what did and you wear? Um, I just like jeans and a t-shirt. That feel weird? It felt good. I'm so sick of pajamas. <laughs> like that, I know, I'm never going to put those fucking things on again. But, um, <laughs> so, so there's that. And, I, and Mark feels the same. Like we hate those fucking rags so much. Well, uh, did you bring two, do you take two sets every yeah. day? Because you do sweat quite heavily yeah. they seem like yeah, a quite thanks. quite a thick material yeah why don't you just get like a nice <laughs> nice summer summer yeah pair? we had a sponsor that gave us really nice pajamas so we wore those ah, and, but anyway but they were thick but they weren't like a big spot like they just gave us pajamas that was the extent of the sponsorship all oh, right we didn't have to like plaster banners <laughs> of their company or anything and mention them two or three times through the show yeah <laughs> So the solo stuff, you, you're going to get back into that. Yeah, the- going to let that rise again. And then I've been too, I've been like gigging with Nina Conti mm. mostly is what I've been doing for the last few months. Yeah, and we have a, a little double act that we've created that I'm really enjoying, and it's mm. really interesting to be on stage with somebody else and really fun because it's just a whole different brain and mm. she's a monkey in our act. Like (laughs) she's like a full size monkey. If you're familiar with her work, she's like the little monkey, except for it's a huge full size version of it. And she's inside it. Um, and then we're, and so we're writing something together and that's mainly what I'm doing right now is spending all of my time writing with Nina, uh, on a new project that I won't go too far into. Cause I don't really like talking about stuff until it exists, but but that's been a cool new thing in my life. Right. And do you think you'll stay in London for a while? Do you, do you think you'll call London home now forever, or you, you just don't know what 
what the future holds? I have no idea what the future holds, but I don't really want to leave London either. Mm. I really like it here. Yeah, you seem like you're a real Crystal Palace man now. Yeah, really, yeah, it's home. Like I yeah, live here. Quite excited about yeah. the area and showing us around the dinosaur park and yeah. Mm. I mean, what's not to like? Dinosaurs <laughs> yeah. in the park? Come on. <laughs> um, do you want to plug any social media? No. No. I don't really do it, so there's nothing to plug. <laughs> I'm probably going to leave Facebook pretty soon anyway, so don't bother. What about you're on Instagram, aren't you? I'm on Instagram, but not for any reason. Mm. Yeah, find me on Instagram if you want. <laughs> no worries. All right, well, we won't plug your social media anymore because you don't have any. Um, <laughs> I'm on Twitter. If you want to tweet from me like once a year, then <laughs> like if that's about like your level of interest in Twitter, then I'm the perfect person to follow. <laughs> Well, what's your? Would tw- you know what your Instagram or Twitter handle? I think it's oh. I'm Chanel Allen. I think both, both of them? them are. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll get around those. And yeah. Don't expect too much, but um, <laughs> if, if, <laughs> have you got a website for no, your own self? Just a pajama man. There's a pajama man one. You yeah. can check that out. Keep you can check that yeah. out. Check in on it about once a year. <laughs> yeah, once a year for the next five years. <laughs> yeah. And see see what comes up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much for taking it easy with me today. Oh, man. It's been great. Such a pleasure. I'm a huge fan of taking it easy. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Take it easy. Take it easy. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, As Shanoa said there, you can get around him on Instagram and Twitter. Just type in Shanoa Allen and he will come up. Also, if you're a Pajama Men fan, uh, just keep an eye on their website for any upcoming dates. Uh, probably won't be for a little while, but I'm sure they'll get back into it eventually. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends. This is episode 25, so there's 24 other episodes on iTunes. Uh, so send your friends there. If they don't have iTunes or don't know how to work it, um, they can go to my website. Uh, there's a podcast section there where you can just press play and listen to all the episodes. Uh, it's danielconnell.com.au. And on iTunes, it's uh, it's under Daniel Connell taking it easy. Uh, get on there and subscribe, uh, give it a like, share around, even leave a comment. That would be nice. Um, also, while you're on my website, you can check out my gigs page. Got a lot of shows coming up up until Christmas. Uh, you can check those out. Come watch some live stand-up comedy. Uh, also, when you're on Facebook next, jump on and like my Facebook page, Daniel Connell Comedy. And I'm on Instagram as well, uh, Daniel Connell Comedy. Get around that as well. But that is it. Thanks very much for listening and take it easy.